welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 315. Thanks for listening. Yes, I've been doing this for 315 episodes, not counting any bonus material or that little introductory, here's the podcast I'm going to do episode, and you all have stuck with me all that time. I cannot imagine why. Certainly not for the advanced Atari knowledge or great uh, tips on how to win these games. I only have to assume that you're here for the occasional commentary from my kid, Henry, because, well, let's face it, that's why I would tune in too. Yeah, 315. This is uh, post-COVID edition part three, my third episode since getting COVID. I'm still alive. No real lingering effects, I don't think, so far, so far. I guess I would have had them already. You know, we're getting into fall soon. I will be getting another booster for COVID. I'll get my flu shot, my monkeypox shot, my anti-Twitter troll shot, my politician immunity shot. Whatever I can get, go ahead. Here's a couple arms. Jab away. That sounds bad. Hope you all are doing well. Get your vaccinations. They're good for you. They're good for the world around you. And it's just the right thing to do. It looks like since last time we talked, last time I recorded anyway, we got some feedback from our friend Kim Slauson over there on the tweet box. Yes, tweet box is my invention. I made up the term. It makes me sound cool. I didn't make it up. This is me stalling for time while I find this tweet. Kim, at Ox Coffee on Twitter, tweeted at me, Did you know about this Flat Earth conspiracy book? It heavily features my tears. The book he's talking about is... Off the Edge, Flat Earthers, Conspiracy Culture, and Why People Will Believe Anything. The book is written by Kelly Weil, W-E-I-L-L. The reason he's bringing this up for you uh, relatively new listeners is I used to do a segment on the show called Mad Mike Hughes, or about Mad Mike Hughes. He was a daredevil, I guess. He liked to race cars. By trade, he was a limousine driver in Vegas, I think, or maybe California. But he liked to do daredevil stuff. Right, he uh, raced cars. He built rockets in his backyard. He uh, he wanted to fund a project to build a, a rocket to launch himself into the uh, as high as he could go. He managed to get some funding from various flat Earth groups to fund his his rocket venture, with the uh, agreement that he would go up to uh, the as high up in the stratosphere as he could and take photos of the Earth to try and prove from the Flat Earther's point of view, that the Earth is indeed flat, not round. So every week I would talk about what he was up to. He, it was never quite clear if Mad Mike Hughes himself was a Flat Earther or not. He gave some kind of vague answers to that. I cynically think he was not necessarily a Flat Earther at all, but he appreciated the funding, Uh, but I have no idea. He did write, or somebody wrote and put his name on it, a biography I bought it. It was terrible. Uh, it's so bad, so badly written that I couldn't even get through it. I, I metaphorically tossed it aside. It was an electronic version, so I didn't literally throw it aside. I didn't want to break my electronic device, but uh, it was a bad book. So I, I have never read Mad Max's whole story, and uh, sadly, he passed away in the attempt to launch that rocket that he built. There was some sort of a malfunction, something to do with the parachute that deployed to, uh, to slow down the rocket, and uh, he ended up being tangled and crashed and died, unfortunately, some years ago. So that's, uh, that's who Mad Mike Hughes is. 
If you go back and listen to some of my older episodes, I can't remember offhand specifically which ones. I did this segment for quite a while, but uh, uh, go back and dig through the archive, which you should do anyway. There's some gold in there. There's some turds in there too, but there's some gold too. So go check out the uh, old episodes. Everything is up wherever you get your podcasts. So go check that out. Go research Mad Mike Hughes yourself if you're so inclined. So that's Mad Mike. So Kim Slauson at Ox Coffee was asking me, did you know about this Flat Earth Conspiracy books? Heavily features Mike Hughes. And the book is called Off the Edge, Flat Earthers Conspiracy Culture and Why People Will Believe Anything. I had not heard of this book and I said as much. Haven't read it yet. After you do, send us a review and I'll put it on the show. And he answered right away. Turns out Kim has already read the book. And here's what he said. Just read it. My first takeaway is that conspiracies are interlinked and interdependent, and often parallel cults in that they're self-reinforcing and hard to get out of. When people do make it past conspiracy-mindedness, they need compassion and empathy to make a soft landing. I think that's a fair assessment. As with anyone who sort of ruffles the feathers of society, it sometimes is hard to have empathy, you know, especially in the case of conspiracy folks. Uh, when they do things like, I don't know, storm the Capitol, it's hard to have uh, empathy there, but I, I get your point. Mad Mike, like I said, I-, I don't know that Mad Mike so much was a conspiracy theorist as he was a daredevil who needed funding to fund his ventures. Maybe if I had made it through his bio, I would have learned more that, yeah, indeed, he was a conspiracy theorist. The closest he got with the flat earth stuff, I think, was basically him saying, well, I don't know. Get up there and take some pictures, which uh, is what you would expect him to say. He doesn't want to annoy his funders. He doesn't want to scare off any of his uh, followers. So he's got to thread that needle. I totally get that. This isn't a conspiracy theorist show. I wrote a book, plug for me. I wrote a book many years ago called In the Saint Nick of Time. It's a novel. came out in 2008. And one of the characters in that book is a conspiracy theorist. But it's, it's kind of what I think of as old school conspiracy theorist. Back in the day, when you said something like that, what you meant was a dude, and it was always a dude, wearing a tinfoil hat hiding in his closet because he thinks aliens are going to invade from space and that the government is lying about those aliens coming to invade. That was what people thought of. Uh, Sure, there were conspiracy theorists that believed in other stuff too, but in popular culture, that's what a conspiracy theorist was. It's totally different now, many, many years later. And conspiracy theorist has come to mean something a lot darker, a lot more sinister, potentially government upturning, if upturning is a word. I just decided it is. I may check it out. Tim, if you have more thoughts about this book, or if anyone else has read the book and wants to uh, chime in, I mean, that isn't really the show we do here, but I devote a whole segment to Mad Mike for a long time, so it kind of feels appropriate to talk about this book, if anyone wants to do that. If anyone wants to remember my cues, too, why not? So... Thanks for that, Kim. Go follow Kim at Axe Coffee. Sorry, at Ox Coffee. It's a little disorienting when you look him up because he's still got the egg profile photo that Twitter assigns you when you don't have a photo. But I'm pretty sure Kim Slauson's a real guy or has fooled me, if not. So thanks for that. Thanks to anybody who ever responds to me because I'm a lonely podcaster who does a show by himself. So I am happy when people uh, reach out on the social media, in an email, on the hotline whatever you choose to do. All right, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Rush Hour for the 2600 from Kamavid. That's right, we're continuing our Kamavid love here on the podcast. 
love in quotes. I don't know why. I just keep, uh, in doing research about these games every episode, new titles come up, and I think, okay, I should do that. I should do that. So here's another one from Tomavid. This one is an unreleased prototype from 1983. You remember some of you. Last episode, we did Frog, a game that may have ended up being called Frog, which was a, a demo as well, or at least uh, a thing that Tomavid created to uh, test out some features. It was barely a game. It was really just a, a screen with a frog on it that would stick his tongue out. And then it got a uh, disc or whatever, got thrown in a box and forgotten about for 20 years until one of the uh, one of the Tomavid guys said, hey, does anyone want to see this? And a bunch of Atari nerds said, yeah, we want to see it. Uh, and thus it was wrought upon the world. This one, Rush Hour, programmed by Ben Birch, as I said, never actually released, but it is, there is more game in the game. There's actually stuff you can do. You can see what the finished product was going to be. You can also see that it's not finished. It's definitely got some glitches, which is what I'm going to blame for my poor performance in the field report. But there's more there, there. Other games that Kamavid created that haven't been released, but will probably end up on the show at some point, Underworld and Mission Omega. I have no idea if those are actually available anywhere, but if they are, they'll probably end up on the show at some point. All three games, Mission Omega, Underworld, and Rush Hour, apparently were made. There's even a box, at least for Rush Hour, and uh, a manual, it looks like. But then the company, Kamavid, went under, and, uh, under, Underworld, foreshadowing perhaps? No more Kamavid, no more Rush Hour. Sorry if this uh, little bit of the show is a little disjointed. I keep having to pause the recording to deal with barking dogs. So I keep losing my... Uh, I keep having to stop sentences in the middle and then pick up again. So apologies for that. Honest, I'm not having some sort of a episode. I just uh, I keep having to stop to deal with dogs. If you own dogs, you totally get it. So the game is pretty straightforward. The manual apparently that we would have gotten has a very cool picture of uh, rush hour traffic on the cover with a very sleek cool looking car in the front actually the one behind it's kind of cool looking too apparently it's a world where everyone drives uh corvettes at least i think it's a corvette i don't know it kind of looks like a delorean which kind of makes sense right from 1983 uh, of course the delorean featured heavily in the back to the future trilogy spoiler <laughs> that started in 1985 so, uh, I don't know exactly when the DeLorean came out, but I suppose it was somewhere around here. Next, as I'm looking at, I don't think that's a DeLorean, but it kind of looks like it. It might be a Corvette, or uh, I don't know. I'm not a car guy. Anyway, so right there on the front of the manual tells us, one player, screw all you guys who have friends, um, it's too bad. Because your friend's going to sit there not playing, you get to play the game all by yourself. And, according to the front of the manual, right there on the front, we're using the left joystick. Yeah, we are. Because lefties are the best. Gosh, yeah, it's not that unusual. It's usually the left joystick for player one anyway. Blast your way through traffic. You're in a hurry and you can't afford to be one minute late. You are driving along smoothly and then you're caught in a driver's nightmare. Having kids in the car? No. A traffic jam during rush hour. But you just won't creep along. You must blast, dodge, and weave your way through traffic until you reach your destination. Caught in a driver's nightmare. You already used that phrase. Use a different one. A traffic jam during rush hour. You're just repeating yourself now. You must blast, dodge, and weave your way... I just read this. Through high-speed traffic, your super auto is equipped with laser blasting... That wasn't me repeating mistakenly. They actually repeat the whole sentence in the manual. Clearly, this wasn't quite finished. 
you must blast, dodge, and weave your way through high-speed traffic. Your super auto is equipped with laser blast, laser blast, lid, lid, lid. Me talk good. Your super auto is equipped with laser blasting headlights, but you must avoid the debris cluttering the Autobahn to reach your destination. This new concept in driving racing video game will challenge the most sophisticated driver. Rush Hour is the latest in a series of video challenges brought to you by Comabin. Or possibly not. This reminds me of how when my daughter, Sophie, was learning to drive, and she, not entirely seriously, but I don't think entirely kidding, was like, I know how to drive. I've been playing these driving video games. And then she would show me, and her performance would be terrible. Although, understand that I get that even if she was good at the driving video games, that does not translate into being a good driver in an actual car. It was kind of funny, and this manual kind of reminded me of that. For the record, she's been driving for a long time now, and she's actually very good. There are nine possible games. Game one is the most basic. I did go through, very briefly, each of the nine they're all pretty much the same as far as I can tell, uh, except they just get faster. And as you'll see in the field report, and I don't think it's, it's entirely down to me being a bad player, or at least a player who didn't spend a lot of time with it, game one is pretty hard as it is. The faster ones are just damn near impossible. Having a game get faster is one thing. Having it get impossible to move is another. And that may be one of the things that they would have smoothed out had they worked on the game some more. So, you're racing along a crowded five-lane highway at rush hour. You're trying to stop the five-car carriers from losing any cars and causing a huge traffic jam. You must reach them before they get too far ahead, as detonated, sorry, as denoted by the radar screen. You do have a radar screen at the bottom. You really don't have time to look at it. Like a lot of these kind of games, sure, they give it to you, but you can't look away from what you're doing to look at it. You'll encounter various other cars before reaching the carriers, along with nails and other debris. You can choose to go around the vehicles or destroy them by using either the headlight, lasers, or the retro rockets. You take damage if you collide with another vehicle, which uh, doesn't kill you straight off, it, but it does limit your ability to maneuver. Depending on how fast uh, the, the damage depends on how fast you are going when you hit the other thing. You can also be hit from behind if you're going too slow. Speed when you get hit basically also determines how many times you can afford to get hit before you're destroyed completely. It could be anywhere from one hit to five hits, or maybe more, I guess. Wreckage from shooting a car is just as deadly, and running into a carrier spells instant death. Minor damage will automatically be repaired after a few minutes. Major damage takes much longer, and most likely will result in the carriers getting away. Just before you reach the carriers, all traffic will suddenly come to a screeching halt. Once you catch up... You must destroy them one at a time when they're about to... So, you gotta stop these things from dropping their cars, and the solution to that is just to destroy them? When they're about to release a car, they'll turn white. This is the only time they're vulnerable. After successfully eliminating all five carriers, the chase will start anew at the next higher level. Remember, you only have one car, one chance with no opportunity to earn more. So be careful. Pushing to the left triggers the turbo retro rockets, increasing your speed. Pushing right applies the brakes. And you change lanes by pushing up or down. The fire button fires the headlight lasers and also starts and resets the game. TV type switch is a pause. Set it to black and white to pause. Set it to color to resume. You hear a tone when the carriers reach the maximum distance from you before you're destroyed. At that point, you have to accelerate and gain ground on the carriers so that uh, as you would if the radar screen was flashing. Sometimes all five carriers release their cars at once. You must carefully drive between the cars or wreckage to avoid this. Destroy a car using the retro rockets and then immediately stop. The destroyed car will just will skid to a halt and may end up overlapping your car. When this happens, the screen continually flashes until you move your car off of it. 
the screen jumps occasionally. The radar screen will may, may also jump. This also happens right before reaching the carriers. When your car is at one of the three horizontal spots, what? The graphics for both your retro rockets and the laser fire will be affected. If you press select while a sound effect is playing, it will keep playing until you reset. Well, that's going to be annoying. Destroying a car gets you 20 points. Destroying a carrier also gets you 20 points. Destroying all five carriers on a level is worth a 600 point bonus, which increases by 600 for each level. At level 9, the carrier bonus is 5400 for you non-math types. Live out those traffic jam fantasies as you smash and dodge your way through rush hour. The next time you're shopping for fun and games, remember to look for Comavid, or possibly not. Fun fact, according to the back of the manual, this game was released at Classic Gaming Expo 2003, August 9 and 10 in Las Vegas. If any of you happen to be there, let us know what it was like. And that is how you play Rush Hour, which would have been from Tomavid had it come out. 1983. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. So apparently the setting for this Rush Hour game is the Autobahn, which is the federally controlled access highway system in Germany. The official German term is Bundesautobahn, abbreviated BAB, which translates as Federal Motorway. The literal meaning of the word Bundesautobahn is Federal Automobile Track. It's 13,192 kilometers long. It has its own website, interestingly. The German Autobahn is widely known for having no federally mandated general speed limit for some classes of vehicles. However, limits are posted and enforced in areas that are urbanized, substandard, accident-prone, or under construction. On speed unrestricted stretches, an advisory speed limit of 130 kilometers, 81 miles an hour, applies. While driving faster is not illegal, in the absence of a speed limit, it can cause an increased liability in the case of a collision, which mandatory auto insurance has to cover. Courts have ruled that an ideal driver, quote-unquote, who is exempt from absolute liability for, quote, inevitable, close quote, tort under the law would not exceed Rittgeschwindigkeit. In 2015, 70.4% of the Autobahn network had only the advisory speed limit. 6.2% had temporary speed limits due to weather or traffic, and 23.4% had permanent speed limits. Average speeds of 142 kilometers, 88 miles per hour, on a six-lane section of Autobahn in free-flowing conditions according to uh, measurements from the German state of Brandenburg in 2006. The idea for constructing the Autobahn was first conceived in the 1920s during the Weimar Republic, but construction was slow. There were economic problems. There was a private initiative called Hafraba, which was planned as a car-only road crossing Germany from Hamburg in the north via central Frankfurt uh, Main to Basel in Switzerland. Parts of that were completed in the 30s and early 40s, but construction was halted by World War II. 
that road is the Bundesbahn, now 555. When the Nazis took over in 33, Hitler was all excited about the Autobahn. Workers started construction, started putting the thing together. They, of course, were more excited to use the Autobahn as a network for transporting military vehicles. Construction kind of fell off during World War II. Everybody was busy doing something else. Repairs began after the war and continued on basically until 1990, when the last four kilometers, a section of A11 northeast of Berlin near Garz, was, that had been built originally in 1936 and was scheduled for replacement around 2015. Basically, the point is, the thing's been there for decades, just constantly under repair and new construction, which pretty much applies to any road the name must drive on on a given day. Lots of video games have featured the Autobahn, not surprisingly, because you can go really, really fast. Atari Protos notes that the uh, prototype has bugs in it, even though the game was apparently very close to being released. The most serious of which is the display routine, which will cause the screen to jump unexpectedly from time to time, especially when you reach the carriers. Other bugs include slight graphic and sound glitches, non-functional oil slicks, and inaccuracies in the radar. Like I said, I, I didn't really pay much attention to the radar. I did notice the oil slick thing. The thing I noticed, and maybe it was just me, or if, I don't know if it was me or a glitch, if your car happened to get on one of the, the lines between the lanes, it would kind of get stuck there. It felt like a glitch to me. Maybe I was just terrible. I don't know. According to Protoss, the game was in the process of being debugged when the programmer was involved in a serious car accident. Due to this accident, rush hour was delayed and never completely finished. I couldn't really find out anything because I did some half-assed research on Ben Birch and this accident that delayed production. So I don't really know anything about that. If anyone wants to fill in the gap there, that is largely due, totally due, to my uh, poor research skills, please do. Protoss calls the game interesting. Rush Hour is one of the first games Comavid not programmed in-house. One of the first games of Comavid not programmed in-house. It was contracted out to an independent programmer. It appears that Comavid was finally starting to make some headway towards becoming a larger player on the 2600 scene, but the market crash put an end to those dreams. Okay, so it's time for a quick segment of what Rush Hour is and what Rush Hour is not. Rush Hour, the thing, is a, an American English or British English term which is also called peak hour in Australia. And it's just a part of the day when traffic congestion on roads and crowding on public transport is at its highest. Usually twice each weekday, once in the morning, once in the afternoon or evening. And it's the time, basically, when most people commute. It often refers specifically to private automobile transportation traffic, even when there's a large volume of cars on the road, but not many people, or the volume is normal, but there's some disruption of speed. The term internet rush hour has been used to describe periods of peak data network usage, resulting in delays and slower delivery of data packets. A third rush hour can be a period in midday in which roads in urban and suburban areas become congested due to numerous people taking lunch breaks using their vehicles, or late at night, generally between 10 and 11 p.m. and 2 and 3 a.m., and the next morning, particularly on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, when people are returning home from nights spent out at restaurants, bars, nightclubs, casinos, concerts, amusement parks, movie theaters, and sporting events. And here's what rush hour is not. Rush hour is not the franchise consisting of a series of American action comedy films created by Ross Lamina, Lamana and directed by Brett Ratner, starring Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. The three films center around a pair of police detectives, Chief Inspector Lee, played by Chan, and Detective James Carter, played by Tucker, who go on a series of misadventures involving, involving corrupt crime figures in Hong Kong and Los Angeles. 
The films incorporate elements of martial arts, humor, and the buddy cop sub-genre. Rush Hour was released on September 18, 1998, so almost exactly 14 years ago. No, longer than that, almost exactly 24 years ago, because math is hard. Grossed $245 million worldwide. Martin Lawrence was originally considered for James Carter, but Tucker finally got the part. Brett Ratner, who enjoyed Jackie Chan's Hong Kong movies, felt that American audiences would not be familiar with the jokes in Jackie's other movies, and deliberately reused some of his gags. For example, the scene where Inspector Lee accidentally grabs Detective Johnson's breasts is a reference to Jackie Chan's film Mr. Nice Guy from 1997. That sounds hilarious. I'm kidding. This was a different time, I guess. Rush Hour 2 came out August 3, 2001, and grossed $347 million worldwide, the most financially successful film in the series. The film got mixed reviews compared to the first film, and no cast members other than Chan and Tucker returned from the first one. Rush Hour 3 was announced on May 7, 2006, and filming began on July 4, 2006. The film, set in Paris and Los Angeles, was first released on August 10, 2007, and grossed $256 million worldwide. Academy Award-winning film director Roman Polanski co-stars as a French police official involved in Lee and Carter's case. The film has received an M rating by the Office of Film and Literature Classification Australia and a PG-13 rating by the MPAA for sequences of action, violence, sexual content, nudity, and language. It was not screened in Chinese theaters in 2007 to make way for a variety of foreign films, according to a business representative. According to this article I'm looking at, and I don't know when this was written, because of the film's collective box office success, director Brett Ratner and writer Jeff Nathanson are considering the production of a fourth installment. Okay, this was written quite a while ago. In the DVD audio commentary for Rush Hour 3, Brett Ratner joked that the fourth Rush Hour film could be released in 2012. They were looking at many concepts, including motion capture for possible sequel and various different film cha- projects with Chan and Tucker. The film, fourth film supposedly was going to be set in Moscow. By 2008, in the wake of sexual misconduct allegations against Ratner by several actresses, Warner Brothers sources presume that it's highly unlikely that Ratner will be directing Rush Hour 4. In 2019, a show called That Hashtag Show reported that a female-led Rush Hour reboot was in development by STX Studios, with Lee Bingbing, who I'm not familiar with, in the lead. A TV series based on the premise of the film aired from March to August 2016, with the same characters, but not the same actors. Retner was executive producer. The series was canceled after one season. So, to be clear, this game is not those movies. Which is unfortunate, because I'm still looking for a game movie tie-in to do for my end-of-the-year movie watch. Alright, after the break, avoid the rush. Listen now. It won't take an hour. Actually, looking at the recording time so far, it might. But listen anyway. You've been in this long. Might as well stick it out. We're never going to get there on time, Henry. This traffic is crazy. What are we going to do? You know what I'm talking about. This game is called Rush Hour, and it's basically you in a car trying to get where you're going during the busiest time of day. It's very busy. (laughs) Yes, there's a whole five cars right there on the road from the last game. Where we live, that counts as Rush Hour, Henry. All right, let's check it out. Ready? Oh, be prepared. I'm not good at this game. So, here we go. That's me. That's my 
lasers. That's my retro burner. Cool, huh? So this is the unreleased prototype. See, I'm really bad. It looks good. This car looks a lot like a car I've seen in another game, but I can't remember where. It's an oil slick. Now, one of the glitches in this unreleased prototype is if you get on the lines, you kind of get stuck. And that's what just happened to me. And the other car ran into me. You get one car, but if you get enough damage, the game's over. Now you're really bad. I told you I was bad. I put a disclaimer on this. Yeah, I'm stuck on the line again. See, I killed something and I didn't get any points for it. There we go. Oil slick, damaged car, coming up. Damaged car, don't hit it. Yeah, see, I'm stuck again. Come on. Oh, man. What, you want to try it? Yeah, well, like I said, it's an unreleased prototype, so it's glitchy. See, it's doing it again. You should have a flash warning this. Oh, man. I tried the other game variations, 2 through 9. They're basically the same thing, just even faster. And it will surprise no one that I was no good at those either. I'm going to describe my uh, bad performance as being down to the glitches in the game. But those of you who can't see this, basically it's a five-lane highway with lots of other weird-looking cars. And it's you trying to get through them. See, I should have got points for that. And I killed myself again. How long have we been doing this? Almost three minutes. I think you get the idea. Uh, it's a bad game, and I'm bad at it. Do you want to try, Henry? No. Alright, we're going to pull over to the side of the road, take a pee, get a Coke. Back to you in the studio. Hey, Atari fans. This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Here we'll also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Second Duck on the Right and Other Very Short Stories is my new short story collection. Duck con artists, zombies, things on fire, supervillain angst, and a future without poop are just a few of the topics in these stories. Also, the occasional really bad poem. Waddle on over to your favorite bookseller, or swim downstream to my website, tarnivalofgleecreations.com, for more information. Insert quacking up joke here. Here's the thing about Rush Hour. I can definitely see, certainly compared to Frog, last episode, that there's an actual game here. Uh, there are some glitches. I noticed the oil slick thing. I mentioned how I seem to get caught up on the lines between the lanes. It just The game just felt a little glitchy. I'm not blaming my poor performance to that. I'm blaming the poor performance 
Uh, just I, I didn't spend a lot of time with it. I was a little bit rushed getting the field report done, so I didn't devote as much time maybe as, as it deserved. The back burner thing I don't think is all that helpful to destroy enemies because the, the flame, your little fart flame that comes out from behind, uh, isn't really going to destroy anything unless it's right on top of you. And if it is, you're probably going to take some damage from the debris. I didn't make it long enough to get to the carriers. As you can tell from the field report, I can't see realistically how you would because the game feels like it's a little bit stacked against you, you know, beyond just being challenging. That might just be me whining. But if I had an afternoon to spend with it, maybe I would feel differently, but I didn't. So uh, I wouldn't write this one off. I certainly might play it some more. It was definitely worth looking at. It definitely would have been a contender for for popularity had it been released, but uh, sadly it wasn't. I am intrigued to check out, uh, what is it, Underworld and Mission Omega, uh, the other unreleased games, uh, because I would be curious to see what what those are like and if they were, you know, basically near completion and just didn't make it. So, obviously, Rush Hour isn't hard to find. Go look for it. Check it out. When you do well at it, you can laugh at me. It's story time on Atari Bytes. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story comes to us from Bad Poetry Corner, and it's titled, Get Out of the Way. A long day at work weighs on me. Mail, Zoom, that thing in Bob's drawer. Don't need standing desk. On main floor. Rush hour doesn't start with car key. Love to work, but why hard to see? Tried quiet quitting, no one saw. Tried busting my ass for the cause. The more I please, the worse they get. Am I tired? Envy the jet set? Pissed at the world or just the boss? I really need to take a piss. But this road is bumper to bumper. Girlfriend calling. Thought I dumped her. Oh, she's dumping me. That seems fair. Ignore text. Bad vibes in the air. Commute is my time. Shed day's grief. Gulf tween us far. Give me no beef. Okay, you have problems. Get that. But wish you'd move. Please get a flat. Need to piss. The day's sweet relief. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the End of the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Tortney for the storytime theme. Rush over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review of this show. Don't worry if it takes an hour to get there. They're open 24-7. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, check us out on Instagram. You can call and leave us a voicemail. I'm never, ever going to answer the phone, so you don't have to talk to me. How cool is that? 563-265-1978. Talk about anything you want, and there's a pretty good chance I'm going to play it on the show. Check out the website, 
www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. You're going to find information about this show, my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, and about books that I've written. The holidays are coming. They are. Sorry, it's relentless. And you're looking for gifts. And I have gifts. You have to pay for them. But they can make uh, good gifts for somebody else or for yourself. Books by me. Short story collections. The Inland St. Nick of Time novel I mentioned earlier. Uh, Good stuff over there. So go check that out. Consider supporting the show as well by going over to the Atari Bytes Patreon page on patreon.com. Be weird if I had a Patreon page on some other site, wouldn't it? Uh, Link in the show notes. You can help out uh, the show. You can get access to things early. You can get bonus content. You can be in an exclusive club with these fine folks who have my thanks. Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Courtney, Emma West, Jeremy L., Mark Super, Jim Goble, and Robert Ferguson. Thanks to one and all. All right. All that's left is to tell you next time on Atari Bytes. No escape! Exclamation point. I was at a comic book thing recently. I'm not really a comic book guy, but I mostly go to these things to uh, look for old Atari stuff. And there was some there to be had. So I picked up uh, a cartridge for No Escape, which is not a game I'm really familiar with, and the manual. Uh, I don't even remember right now what I paid, but it was a pretty low price. And I was pretty happy with it. So I'm going to play that next on the show. If you guys are curious about No Escape, if you have thoughts about No Escape, send those thoughts to me. And I will share them in the next episode, or the episode after that, or the episode after that, or the episode after that. You get the idea. And along with No Escape, until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.